So uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And we're just going to read verse 1 through 4. Um, and um, I will talk about that. So Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, so we just finished reading two weeks ago, chapter seven, where he says, oh my goodness, I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I shouldn't do. And he keeps going back and forth on this and says, "What? who can save me? <laughs> and then immediately in verse one, he answers his own question. And he says, but it's not the answer you might think. He says here, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So despite the fact that I do the things I don't want to do, I don't do the things I I should. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? That's the, that's the question, right? We have, to, we have to be able to answer that. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Um, verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you've read the context up to this point in chapter seven, well, really from chapter one to chapter seven, the law of sin and death, what he's speaking about that is this just a, a way of saying, hey, look, there was this law given by Moses. Nobody could really keep it perfectly. And uh, the result was that it often led that, that the more that there were rules given, the more it seemed to awaken our own lesser desires, it seemed to bring life to them. Um, and the result of that was that it produces death. Now, not just death and, and the ending of life, but death in all sorts of ways, you know, broken relationships, um, you know, losses of, of, uh, of material possessions because of mismanagement and there's all sorts of results from death, from, from this, this sort of way of living. Paul says is a result of the law, which was incapable of actually fixing us. All the law did was just, you know, show us that we can't keep it. It shows it wakes up the, the even the desires within us. You know, when we say don't do something, something within us starts to maybe want to do that. Um, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened in the flesh. So again, this is what he means by this. The law was powerless to do anything because we have within our being, our humanity, this weakness where we end up doing the things we don't want to do and, 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 and so on. Um, so he says, even though there's a law, it was weakened by our humanity, our incapability of doing it. God did complete this uh, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. This is a bit clunky and difficult for us because we're not in first century, you know, Judaism. Um, but that's Paul's context here. And he's talking about this as the sin offering being the lamb or the sheep that were offered in place as a sacrifice in the ancient um, Judaic system, religious system. And so these were offered and sacrificed in place of us. So these perfect, uh, we're supposed to be perfect, you know, perfect sheep, meaning spotless or, you know, without defect, physical defect. And they were offered in place 
of us. And what he's saying here is Jesus essentially is that blameless, perfect lamb who takes our place by dying on the cross. And in doing so, he condemns sin in the flesh. So let me just pause here for a moment and say, at very least, um, we could go on and on and talk about the theology of a, what would be called atonement theology here. But let me just say this, um, that this sin offering that Jesus, take, that Jesus, the blameless lamb here, who takes on the sin of the world, is essentially what he is doing is because I'm the one who's not to blame, but being, being accused of falsely of things as a human, and I was crucified on the cross, instead of reacting, instead of carrying that sin forward and having some sort of, you know, uh, vengeful reaction to this, I died to the sin. I died to it. I died to the human, to, to humans, uh, you know, to the evil that's, that's within the human, these systems, these political uh, religious systems that came against him. And instead of reacting, he, re he responds by dying. And as he dies on the cross, what he does is he effectively ends the continuance of that sickness, that disease, that sin. Okay? Um, in fact, it, it would be similar to someone who, let's say there's a village, <clears throat> there's only one person who has been diagnosed, there's only one person who has this, um, this virus. And this virus is not like COVID-19. It is 99% uh, deadly. It kills 99% of the people that it affects. But it's only one person. So this person who has this virus, who is, is very contagious and very deadly, chooses to pull away and to die to, uh, to that virus, essentially ending that process of transmission in himself. Effectively, that's what Jesus does. So this is what it means here for Jesus to be a sin offering and to condemn sin in his flesh and then Paul goes on in verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay. Now, what he means here is not, I mean, what he may have meant certainly was that the flesh is the physical body, and he has this dichotomy between the physical body and sort of like the spiritual or immaterial part of who we are. Uh, and if so, that was very Greco, well, it was very Greek thought. It was very, very much the, the philosophy of his day. Um, but effectively what he means, I think here, is this is about our sort of the, 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 the ego, <laughs> the, the, the parts of us that we try to defend and protect. Um, and, uh, and, and so living according to that versus living according to uh, the spirit, um, which is uh, without ego. I'm just there to uh, completely receive love and to transmit love to the world around us. All right, so let me uh, put this in a very sort of uh, practical way here. Um, and uh, let's, so let's go back to this and, and uh, I'm going to give sort of three really clear practical uh, points here that emerge from this passage that gets to this idea of the resurrection being right here and right now. What does it mean for Jesus when, when we say in Christ? We start out by saying there's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ 
Jesus? And I have to answer what that question is. What does it mean to be in Christ? And what I mean, what I believe it means is that you have placed your faith in the way of Jesus. Not in the historical figure that Jesus existed, and I believe that. That's good, but it's insufficient. It's I put my trust in his way of doing life, and that by, by doing that, I'm actually starting to live that way. And by my living in the way of Christ, I am now no longer condemned, at least according to Paul. There's no condemnation. You're not having to live out of this concern that I've got to live to do the right thing. I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm good enough because then I'll be accepted by God and I'll be loved by God. I think it means th very simply three things here. One is that Jesus lived, and we're going to look at Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, those three things. Jesus lived as if he was fully loved by God right now in this very moment, like totally loved, totally accepted. There was nothing Jesus needed to do in order to earn God's love. He lived as if he was God's favorite child. And it really ticked off a whole lot of people. And you know those people, those kids who act as if they are the favorite. And it can be very annoying. It can be very uh, irritating when there's somebody who acts like they're the special child and I'm loved and everybody loves me and I'm just, I'm just fantastic. You know, that's very annoying, right? And Jesus, it's not about pride, it, that kind of negative pride. It's not about that, that's, that egoic pride. It's I am genuinely loved and acting as if I'm loved. And so Jesus worked from being loved, not for being loved. Jesus acted as if he was already accepted and had this peace and rest internally. He lived as if he needed nothing from the outside world. He lived as if he had everything already present within him, all the things that you need. Hey, we, the, the, the rest of us were always sort of like chasing something or avoiding something or trying to, trying to do something to get life within us, right? What is it that you do for life? You know, for some of us, it's like I need more information, more data, more knowledge. The more I have, the better I feel about myself. For others, it's the more I love, the more, I'm, the more I feel like you love me and you think I'm somebody special, the more I, maybe I will finally feel love that way. You know, I need to be, I, I need to be doing a lot of great things. And if I do, 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 then eventually, maybe then. And Jesus does not live from that space, but lives from the place of saying, I'm already totally complete and need nothing from the outside world because I have all of God's love within me right here, right now. You see, in order to experience resurrection life, you and I have to live. You have to live. And this is what it means to live, is to live being one who is loved by God. Anything else is death. Anything else that causes us to lean out and grab a hold of something out there, anything that causes us to, to, to perceive that the answers are outside of ourselves, we are living from a place of death, from a place of emptiness, from a place of nothingness, rather than from a place of being already filled up and overflowing with everything that we need in this moment. And this is what it means to believe, to be in Christ Jesus is to live 
right now I am complete. Right now I have everything that I need. Can you say that in this moment to yourself with faith and confidence, even if you have to fake it, to say everything I need is right here. I have it. I'm already complete. And that's what it means to be in Christ Jesus. And the second thing that it means to be in Christ Jesus is not only do you live like Christ, but you also die like Christ. And that's, that's the part that's a little harder for us. First part is like, woohoo, yeah, I love that. I hear sermons like that sometimes on TV, and I love those. Right? But then there's the death of Jesus, and that's the part that we want to skip by. I watched on social media some of these Facebook Live, you know, Good Friday services. <laughs> and, and there were some churches that were already talking about the resurrection on Friday. It's like, we can't even sit still. We can't even do death right. It's like, this is, this is Friday, but you know, but, 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 but this Sunday, you know, Sunday's coming. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's quick to kind of get to that resurrection without the process of dying. And for Jesus, it's like, this, it just doesn't work that way. You have to die. And for Jesus, his death began at 12 years old. There's a story of Jesus at 12 years old who's, uh, it's the only one we have of him before the age of 30. And uh, he's, he's uh, with his parents. They go to Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and he stays back. There's a caravan of families that would travel together. And kids oftentimes went in between these caravans. And so parents weren't really worried because they were probably visiting cousins and so on. Well, Jesus has stayed back. And he's back at the temple. And... His parents find out two days later, and so they make the trip back, and they say to him, you know, where were you? We were looking for you, and he says, don't you know that I had to be about my father's business? And everybody says, oh, that's wonderful how Jesus said that, but then what it follows up with is that he goes home, and it says that he was obedient. He, you know, he, learned, he became obedient to his parents because his parents took him home. Jesus needed to learn a little something as a boy. That it was like, yes, you might be something special, but don't forget you're also going to learn obedience and you've got you've to do what mom and dad say. And, and, and so he had to learn already at 12 years old, even though he was so eager to be, you know, influential, eager to really serve and to be part of, he had to pull back on that ego. He had to go home and actually do what mom and dad told him to do. And so that was his first experience of having to die to the ego. And then what happens after that is he is, at 30 years old, he is led into the desert to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, the author says. Right? This is metaphorical language. Uh, I'm sure he did go into the desert, but there's a lot of language here that's clearly metaphorical, meant to kind of parallel Israel being also in the desert for 40 years and 40, you know, 40 years, and uh, Jesus was in there for 40 days. So it, Jesus is tempted, and the temptations were meant to be directly pointed towards the human's desires to stay alive, you know, our ego, our desire to maintain an image, a desire to grab a hold of what's out there beyond and outside of ourselves as a means to fill this void, this emptiness that we all feel. And Jesus has to go through the death period during that time in the desert dying to himself. And it is then that he comes out of the desert, and the scriptures say, interestingly enough, he left the desert 
filled with the Spirit. That's resurrection life. And so on and on, Jesus had to continue to have these death experiences of dying to the self in order to begin to experience resurrection life. And then finally, of course, the ultimate death on the cross. The ultimate death was the death on the cross. And it's there that Jesus takes the evil of the world. And instead of reacting, recognizing that in himself, even there on the cross, there was a desire to maybe react. Many of us, you know, we, we live in reactivity. We don't even know that we are. But we live in reactivity to the way we were raised. We live in reactivity to what has happened this week. We live in reactivity because of the pandemic. And it's doing all sorts of things to us. There's people that are, uh, that are having, and many of you are having these reactions of like, I'm angrier than I've ever been. I don't know why. I'm just angry all the time. Or I'm depressed. Or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to, to escape. Or I'm, I'm wanting to, 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 to do something. I, I have this reactivity happening. You, don't, you may not even be aware of it. But as we talk about it, maybe right now you're becoming aware of it. And all this stuff is, is, is reacting within you. And this was true for Jesus as well, as he's on the cross, except for that Jesus chooses not to give in to that. And instead what he does is he dies to the very thing that wants to react within him. And and instead of reacting and justifying why you did what you did, he simply dies to it. And that's that's what our mission is, if we're going to be in Christ, is to become aware of the reactivity. And that's the gift of crises. That's the gift of suffering is that it reveals some of this stuff within us. I could so easily say, well, the reason why I'm the way I am is because of mom and dad. I literally had a coaching call this week where the individual said, well, I think it's because of the way I was raised. You know, I had this reaction, you know, and, and I thought, no, it's because it's because you're human, just like me. <clears throat> there are things certainly that um, that hurt us definitely and deeply impacted us, but it's our reaction to that. That's sin. That's the problem. It's the reaction. It's not what took place. What took place is one thing. And we say, yeah, that hurt. That was painful. Perhaps it was wrong. But then what did I do with it? And the reason why Paul says Jesus became a sin offering here in, 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 in chapter eight is because Jesus says, no, I will take the sin of the world as it levels its sin against me, and instead of reacting, I die, so that that virus stops within me and goes no further than that. Because if I allow it to, then it hurts someone else, and then they react, and sin just keeps perpetuating over and over again, and it reaps what? Death. That is the problem, according to Paul. And so to manage our reactivity is to die to that which we want. Now, the reason why we call it death is because it certainly feels like that, right? It's like, oh, I, ha- I really want this and I really want it. And, I, and I'm choosing now to say no to it. It feels like death right now. But Paul is saying, hey, look, you chase those things and you react to your compulsions within you. You're going to create death in your life. But you can choose death right now to that which is activated within you 
and then life will come as a result. So it's death now, life after, or you're choosing to try to maintain life, the, you know, the life that you're trying to keep, and then there's death later. And that's the, the contrast here. All right, so far, you're with me. If, you, if you've got questions, by the way, please put them in the chat because um, I know this can be uh, pretty complex. Um, all right, so third thing is you must be resurrected. All right, so you must live, you must die, and you must be resurrected. So let me ask you this question. So Jesus, well, let me, first of all, let me say, uh, in terms of Jesus in his resurrection, it's not that just he was resurrected after he died, because that, that happened, but he was resurrected and acted as, as if he was being resurrected as he's dying. He's living resurrected life in the moment. Here's what I mean by that. As he is on the cross, instead of just sort of like focusing in on himself and, oh boy, this is really painful and I'm dying and oh well, here we go. Jesus chooses in that moment to touch someone's life. It was a, this other individual who's a criminal who was on the cross hanging with him. He chooses to reach out in love to this man. And what it is, is that in that moment, he sees life. He sees life happening. Can you imagine this? He's on the cross and he's suffering himself physically so desperately, so desperately. <laughs> and I mean, you can imagine the pain, existential. I mean, just like the, the, the feeling of, of being rejected, the feeling of being hated, the feeling, I mean, all of this stuff is happening, plus the physical pain. And yet he spots life in this moment. He looks over at the man next to him and recognizes this guy is coming alive, even as he's dying. Because he says to him, you know, you've done nothing wrong. <laughs> I know I'm up here because I did something wrong. You've done nothing wrong and you're dying. Please remember me when you enter into paradise. And Jesus says, oh man, there's life right there. There's life. You're going to be with me in paradise. That's so good. That is so good. Right. So then he's physically resurrected. So here's a question I have for us and maybe some things to think about. In this moment right now, in the pandemic, can you see resurrection life happening right now? Or are you just sort of hanging in there saying, oh, I just can't wait till this passes. I'm on the cross of my own pain right now. And I just, oh boy, I just, I just want this to pass. As soon as it passes, then I'll be like, whew, now I'm in heaven. Now everything's fine, right? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it, it's, no, no, no. Can you see it now? Can you see it in this moment? Because here's what's going to happen to you in a few months from now. How many know this is going to be true? In a few months from now, you're going to look back and go, remember those days? <laughs> we always do this. It's crazy. It's like, it doesn't, you know, you're, you're like, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be like, remember those days were terrible. No, you won't. No, you won't. You're going to have memories of connections that you made during the season with people that were deep and precious. And you're going to recognize that there were times of rest that when you're super busy, isn't this true? When you're overwhelmed and busy, don't you say to yourself, oh my God, I wish I was just bored again. And then when you're bored, you're like, oh my God, I hate this. I wish I was busy again. Right? We, we tend to have these two things going on in us because we can't live in the present moment and actually see the gift of this 
precious moment right here where there is resurrection life happening. How many of you have had conversations that were deeper? How many of you have had moments of connections with people that you thought, this is amazing? How many of you have said things uh, to people you've never said or you haven't talked to in this way in a long time? Like, I love you. I miss you. Um, we should be connected. How many of you have had those conversations? How many of you have had times where if you're not on the front lines having to work like crazy, and if you are, um, thank you. But if you're not on the front lines working like crazy, you have had times to pull back and actually think and reflect, right? There are going to be inventions, folks, that emerge from this season. There's going to be technological advances that come out of this season. This is going to change our world. And we have the opportunity to change our world in the positive way. But we have to begin to see resurrection life now because the more you see and the more you breathe into it, the more life actually emerges. The less you see, the less emerges. You dictate what it is you want in your life. You can. And that's at least according to Paul. Paul believes that. This is why we read that a few weeks ago where Paul says where, you know, sin did abound, grace did abound even more. For through one man, sin came. But, oh, man, through righteousness of one man, Jesus Christ, even more good things have come as a result of that. And that there's these two paths. You can choose one or the other. You can choose the one that is life or the one that is death. And so in this moment, I ask you today on Easter Sunday, do you see resurrection life happening right now in the midst of the pandemic? And can you breathe life into that? Can you actively choose? I'm going to seek out the good. I'm tired of always seeing and talking about the bad. This is not ignoring reality. This is what you choose to bring your attention to. Is you can look at the negativity and say, yeah, this is real. There are people who are whistling past the graveyard right now. And, I'm, and that really makes me mad when I see that. People posting stuff like, oh, this is not true. This is all. No, it's true. <laughs> We, Jim and I know because we work with some doctors who are on the front lines of this. this. This is no joke. This is real. This stuff is really killing and it's really devastating lives. Not as much, of course, as some other viruses, that's for sure. But it's still creating havoc and it's very, very uh, hard. And we have to get a hold of this thing and we have to do what we have to do. But still, in the midst of that, do you see resurrection life in something wonderful emerging from that? And if you do, then you can breathe life into that space and say, I choose to do good. I choose to do life. This is my path. And so you have to live your life as if you are loved totally and completely by God, as if you have everything you need right here and right now and not out there somewhere where you have to go find it because that's the path of life. You have to live and then you have to die to your own reactivity. And boy, there's a lot of things that are provoking our reactivity these days, aren't there? <laughs> you, look at, you look at Facebook, you look at political posts, you know, I'm a, my goodness, you have a lot to react to. And these are all gifts to you, by the way, because it's going to surface what's really going on inside you. So always ask yourself, why am I reacting in this way? What's going on? In what ways do I need to die to that reactivity so that I do not pass on this virus to other people? And lastly, in what way do I see resurrection life happening now in this moment? 
that I can begin to breathe into so that I can be part of creating the new world that Paul is saying it happened in Jesus and now is happening through us. Happy Easter and resurrection to every single one of you. Um, the benediction, I had written down um, like three sentences a couple days ago and they were just very random. And um, as we've been talking, um, it's, it's made sense more. So um, I wrote, may we give grace to the voice inside. So whatever that means for you, may you give grace to the voice inside. May we consciously choose what we think. May you consciously choose what you think. And when it is hard to move or be still, may we be willing. So the word to take this week is may we be willing. May we be willing to get up. May we be willing to be still. May we be willing to reach out. May we be willing to open up. May we be willing to listen. May we be willing to speak. May we be willing to read. And may we be willing to worship. So Father, may we be willing. You've called us and you've asked us to be willing. Thank you for this choice that we have. May we be intentional this week. Thank you, God, for a community of friends and family. And so may we see the resurrection life this week that Joel was talking about. Amen.